0: This this Australian humbleness thing smashing it out of you, smashing I like I don't have just have that. I've got the brown girl like South African thing yeah. where you'd never toot your horn, man.
1: Because it'll get cut down.
0: That no, it? that's Aussie. Okay. I think in the South African version, it's like the, the woman in the background running the whole shit, but like you never say oh, okay. you know, like you're
1: in, oh, in charge, fuck. but okay.
0: Yeah, you're totally you're in charge. Um it's almost like a game.
1: I also want to talk to you about being unapologetic.
0: Okay. <laughs>
1: uh, and then that's kind of, I think that's a lot to cover in 40 minutes.
0: Yeah, let's give it a shot.
1: G'day, everybody. Welcome to Wombat Radio. Today we're chilling with Candy Pals. G'day, Candy. Hi, yeah. <laughs> Do you want to say anything about who you are? Is there any lineage you want to invoke into the room to give us a round, a more rounded picture of this individual that obviously is embedded with and comes from Yeah uh,
0: Look uh, Jeepers Creepers <laughs> It's um, a massive question, oh, no, who are I, you? Look, I grew up in Western Sydney, I was born in Dandenong though, my mm-hmm. parents moved from Dandenong to Campbelltown which is a very, they're very similar places mm. Lots of you know, white trash bogans, all those terms, migrants all playing pokies together, that's how I'd like to yeah. say it, you and know?
1: which one do you identify with?
0: Well, I think probably all of them therefore, Ah,
2: right?
0: nice. You, know, you can't really get away with it, or get away from it, I should say.
2: Yeah.
0: Do a little bit of schema work with my therapist, <laughs> so you know, <laughs> that childhood really shaped me, yeah. right? and um, the extremes in my childhood. So going back to South Africa for birthdays every couple years meant that I got that real sense of what it was like being in Kimberley in South Africa, being a part of a coloured family. Um, But you couldn't take the Aussie out of me. Like I wouldn't understand that I wasn't allowed to drink from certain water taps or um, go go into certain stores or speak to white South Africans. I was just doing it. In fact, my mum found me on when I was 10 and it was just her and I visiting South Africa, yeah. she's like, I'd gone, you know, I was in the plane and I had gone missing for a really <laughs> long period of time. So she was like, just, she had to go and find me. And I'm like sitting like in the seat surrounded by all these white South African kids that were on some kind of university sports trip and had just come visited Australia. And I think I was, I was 10. Mm. So I was like just like reciting lines from home and away and like making them all laugh and stuff. And my mum was like... You know, like, child, get here. You know, she was still terrified of white South Africans. Um, And I was like, I don't understand what's going on. What's going on? I didn't didn't understand it, right? So this was a really interesting part of my upbringing. And I probably only really began to understand what my parents had been through in apartheid South Africa much later in life. Like, it was conceptual, but it wasn't real.
1: Okay. That's... Let's talk about then the show that you, yeah. the shows, uh, yes, and endlessly that you make where <laughs> yeah. people come along and they maybe know what you're talking about conceptually, mm. but it's not real. Yeah. Or even some shout outs that mm. you sometimes do where you're like, oh, this thing isn't a, um, this thing isn't a concept. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a daily experience of when you walk through the world, it's different for you.
0: Yeah, so what I do in Australian Booty um, is... Is that's that your my one, booty? Yeah, the, my booty in in my show. Okay. It's, it's obviously quite... I was going to say meta, but it isn't, isn't it? It's quite a direct <laughs> metaphor. Um, but um, yeah, so I talk about apartheid in a very specific way. And I was trying to explain to some kids when I was doing comedy workshops with... Uh, why I make what I make and why it's really fun for me to stay on this knife edge of making people feel really uncomfortable. Um, I think Hannah Gatsby talks about tension in the net, and I come at it in a very different way. I'm happy for the audience to feel tense the entire time and never release that tension, possibly, although there are so many layers going on that some people are laughing and other people can't laugh and there's shock and there's all this different stuff. And I, I've gotten used to that space. Yeah. And if I can crack it and get them all laughing at some point, it's really fun. But if I can't, I get other things out of it. So, for example, I do a piece about my mother explaining apartheid to me. You know, she said, um, you know, imagine the ice cream shop on the main street uh, so white people, people with white-looking, white skin, doesn't mean they're white ethnically, but looked white, could go into a shop, an ice cream shop, and get anything they wanted, order anything, sundays ice cream, all the different flavours, and sit there with their family and eat the ice cream at a table together. A person, our skin colour, a light-skinned person, or coloured, ha- as they'd say in South Africa, could go in, and we were allowed to buy ice cream, but we could only have one flavour in a cone, and we weren't allowed to eat it in the shop, we had to eat it outside on the sidewalk. Now people your granny's colour, black-looking people, dark-skinned people, weren't even allowed in the shop. That's how she described apartheid to me, right? So then I tell a story about the first time I worked with Indigenous kids in the Northern Territory in Tennant Creek. Um, and in between, I do some really funny dancing, pretending I'm eating an ice cream. So the audience, and it's like with the mic, and it's sort mm-hmm. of sexy and it's sort of silly. And people mm-hmm. who were not coping with the story <laughs> just start laughing. They can't, they can't. I think they can't handle my audacity to sort of like go from saying that and then, you know, Black Eyed Peas come on and they're like, you know, <laughs> shaking my booty eating an ice cream. And they're like, we can't handle you, we can't. And then other people just like, yes. Because I like to also show through form and content the multiplicity of my experience. The fact that that horrible scenario is in my my family history, but I'm also here making a comedy show and joking it up, and and I exist, and I'm joyous, and I have a lot of fun. Mm. Multiplicity, not just subtext, multiple (laughs) experiences at once. Then I tell the story of working in Tennant Creek with all these Aboriginal kids who love ice cream. And I was a softie, so every Thursday when so I just Let's go! <laughs> so the first time we went to the, to the garage, the Caltex or whatever is yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, it's only a Caltex. Um, we got all the paddle pops and I went to go up to and they said, wait, 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 wait. Somebody had come in. I thought, oh, nice manners these kids have. But then they held me back until all the white people had been served, even the white people that were there after us. And I realized
1: tourists or locals? Locals, tourists, it didn't matter.
0: If they had white skin.
2: Yeah.
0: And then they went, Now you can go. Yeah,
2: right.
0: And I was like, this was two thousand and four.
2: Okay.
0: And I that was one of the moments when I went, apartheid, oh my God. When it's an inbuilt idea of who goes first
1: mm, it wasn't an age thing
2: no okay
0: i mean i saw it then happen with high schoolers right, with old right, folks right, right, i saw right. this i remember this old guy that was there all the time because i'd seen him at the pub too yeah. standing right deep in the back of the the um caltex and i'd always go can i just can we just get your shit like i just get frustrated i was a kid you know 24 and breaking all the cultural norms again yeah. going and the guy that ran that Carl Turks, he was like an a hole from way back too. Turnant
1: Creek is not a like attracting <laughs> I mean, you know. There's mm. a filtering system in in remote areas.
0: Absolutely. And there's also pools that black fellas don't go to. There's no sign on the door that says no blacks allowed anymore. But they certainly don't feel welcome there.
1: Do you get the feeling that the Sydney Opera House is like that? <laughs> You. I, you. Look, it's not live. Okay. We can cut that out, but you don't have to say anything. Let no, me propose. No, no,
0: let me talk to it. <laughs> okay. I'm happy. Look, let's just say the Sydney Opera House is a part of a greater collection of arts buildings in Australia, and I've yes. been in many of them. Okay. I, I'm, I'm the person, I'm a black woman, the one of the few from the African diaspora who's toured Across the country with Circus souls, with my own work, and had shows that I've written toward toured too. Um, and absolutely, the arts in Australia still has many, many, many relics of apartheid going on. Absolutely. So, um, simply, even when I walk into Screen Australia, which are doing their darndest to change it.
1: Yeah, and they just look got up, defunded, didn't
0: they? Screen, no, I'm about script
1: writing. Oh, yeah. Don't worry.
0: But, like, you look up at the wall of the history of Australian cinema. Yeah, right. And it's only white people's histories with few Indigenous works. Yeah. One or two of Tony Ayers' works for Chinese Australia. And I love this book came out this year that I'm a part of growing up African in Australia. Yeah. Who've been here a very long time. Yeah. In fact, the Dutch brought a bunch of black South Africans in the battalion to fight the English on this soil. And there are a few uh, Aboriginal people like Uncle Noel Tovey who... South African blood also wow. we are intermeshed yeah. you know South Africa and Australia in particular regarding the continent of Africa yeah. and I feel like that and, and I know I've done the research on that there's a play I want to write i um, yeah, very specific for it,
1: so we can all celebrate Not yet, when it comes but it's, out. it's no.
0: about um, the last man that was hung for sodomy uh, was a black South African man.
1: In Australia? In
0: Australia. Right, okay. So I need to find out who the hell that guy was making love to.
1: Yes. (laughs) Wow. And
0: I want to write that play because our historical um, storytelling is very narrow. And then our educations are narrow too, right? So we don't learn about First Peoples of Australia, let alone First People or colonisation around the world because there's, like, the empire, you know, the empire, surviving yeah. the empire, the empire rules. So I've built my entire career on having really... It's, it's a hard thing to say I've built my career on it because, really, you can't build a career on something that nobody wants or rejects <laughs> or wants to hear about, right? So I've built yeah. my practice and my craft yes. upon smashing stereotypes, looking at how... This stuff still affects our daily life. Now, then I get into these the, the barriers that hit me, yeah. which I've learned how to dismantle in a number of, number of ways, including capitalistic ways, working out how to balance books and box office while doing what I need to do and yeah. getting the exposure I need. Uh, so a lot of these big buildings um, should be... Ex- like. Or, or their policy or their, what do you call it, their, like, um, constitution... Vision statement Right, vision statement mm-hmm. states that they think they should be accessible places. Well, yeah. I can tell them now they're not. No. Because I'm one of the most buoyant, upwardly mobile and powerful people of colour in this industry. I'm still here. I'm 40. I've got awards from around the world. My work tours the world. And I can therefore compare venues in the country... Teams in the country, teams outside of the country. Mm. And Australia is far behind. Mm. Australia is far, far behind. Mm-hmm. There are little moments, you know, where places start throwing up. I think Melbourne Museum and Art Centre Melbourne are, like, tussling with it. Yeah. No such thing as Nirvana yet. No, 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 no. no. We, are, we are in the conversation and we are wrestling. When you we're know? thinking
1: about Empire... Hmm. I'm just thinking about Star Wars. Are you worried about The Empire Strikes Back? <laughs> <laughs> and do you think that maybe that's going on at the moment?
2: Because I,
1: si- I just even look at the music, I'm like, wow, there was a lot of good music talking about this shit when I was a kid, hmm. and Yothi Indy was a pop star. Mm-hmm. And so I watched the video clips the same way I watched the Michael Jackson and the Jay-Z video clips, and I learned his dances from the video yeah. clip. Yeah. And so it was also... I. I was allowed for that to be part of my culture. Mm. And that's not here, right?
0: So this is what is one of the really interesting hinges of One, The Bear, the work that I'm on uh, the Opera House stage right now doing. Um, one of the hinges is not just what's going out, um, what I call sort of like uh, outside of us, you know. Yeah. We also have so an intra-community conversation because yeah. the intra-community conversation is stuff around whether you can cultural appro- culturally appropriate your own self, your own identity back so that you can become more accessible to the industry.
1: Uh, do you mind making an example? Like,
0: um, Does okay. that mean
1: like you grow up without that culture, but it's the culture you came from and then you find out about it and then you become more of it? Or? That's,
0: that's one way to look at it. Okay. Another way would be... Um, another way would be... Just simply what happens in One the Bear. So, one taking her legacy mm. and turning it into something that um, folks can. Uh, she's been told that folks will only understand it if it's watered down, if it's broken down, if yes. it's more catchy, yeah. if the sense is ripped out of the heart of it. Yes. Um, and then, if you got them, then you can take them somewhere else, right? It's like Childish Gambino. It's like this America, mm. you know, the whole thing about. Dancing and singing to cover up what's really going yeah. on. It's like the fact that you can listen to Stevie Wonder, or even Michael Jackson or Lionel Richie, and there's little, you know, pieces come to Zimbabwe. There's little bits of revolution in their songs. Mm. So um, I think there's a wave again, though, with like Kendrick Lamar. There's like of bringing back that political um, positioning of radical, what we call radical, which really the definition is the root of mm. the truth of. Mm. So you know, there is that absolute moment happening too, and I think here Mojo Juju, Kira Peru, Thelma Plum, yes, all sound Sa- yes, the great. Yeah. You know, I We're can, not short I'm on super, I'm excited. A yeah. lot of women, a lot of women of are <laughs> putting it out there, fellas. You know, I mean, Remy's great, but like, it's exciting because mm. you know, I came from a time of absolute absence of absolute invisibility. And some of those cats came to my classes, you oh, know. Shit. TK Mates are in Adelaide, yeah. Kayit here in Melbourne. I mean, it, there's nothing better than to feel like, even if they're a student for 60 seconds, that they're, you know, that their their stardom will outrun yours. Like yeah. that's the point, right? That is the point. And um, so it's like I feel like, <laughs> even though there are all these barriers and things, particularly in Australia, trying to trying to squash us down. There's some stuff that's so undeniable that we just keep breaking through. Mm -mm -mm. Now, let's be clear, a really hard ceiling leaves cuts and bruises and sometimes it can leave you disabled for a while to smash through. through. It's not, you don't just transcend and there you are and it's something I want to keep continuing to talk into my community about because even going for me to Hollywood in the next week to pitch shows and who knows, we might break through. Um, and I think it's really interesting that I have a greater chance of success in Hollywood than I do in the Melbourne art scene. Yeah. I think that's really interesting for someone like me yeah. that um, I can be headhunted there and in the UK and not here.
2: Yeah.
1: There's a conservatism that works against us and for us.
0: Yeah, it's sort of um, like, um, yeah, because those of us that can handle that, can't we have to go find breath elsewhere? Right. Which means we push stuff out, and um, you know, it's, it's funny. I heard it, I heard this amazing thing last two, two weeks ago. I went to re-talk to a class at Wollongong Uni, where I was for a year in creative mm. arts. Mm. And my t- the teacher Janice Hayes, she was there at the time that I was there back in the day. You know, twenty years ago, and she said, I. I was pretty revolutionary even back then, radical. I was like, really? What did I do? And she goes, well, you were unhappy about casting and the roles for women. And once, I guess we didn't listen to you, the faculty, you went to the dean. <laughs> so I was like, did
1: I? Just went above them. Right? And then above.
0: And then and at the time it was a woman called Sharon Bell and she said, and Sharon Bell um, said to me, she's too passionate.
1: Oh, too? How is too passionate possible?
0: And I thought that's a badge of honour. That's a hashtag, right? <laughs> yeah. um, good lord! <laughs> I mean, really, that wasn't there. Wasn't even I didn't even understand like the feminist notion. All I was saying is these roles will not sustain me. Yes, you know. And I have enjoyed playing men in sort of like main stages more than I've been enjoyed playing women. And right. I do sort of. See, my identity is quite gender fluid, but also the roles are just better.
1: I was thinking that. So is the idea that like any person can play any character mm-hmm. with, the, with the right skill and support to get into that character?
0: That's why I told Michael Castle, who's about to put on Hamilton, yes. that I wouldn't be auditioning for a female role. Okay. One of those women sing a song called Helpless. Oh. Just putting it out there, Lynn manuel If I was the dramaturg, that wouldn't have got through The Keeper. Yeah. Sorry,
2: yeah.
0: the work does so many things, so many wonderful things. But what it doesn't do is give a part to a woman who's a rapper.
1: Well, yeah, true. I mean, it doesn't do a lot of other things that neither you or I are fighting for mm-hmm. as well, like give a part to a banjoist. Mm-hmm. But maybe the, but so yeah. So, so I wonder they, about those well, things as well. Yeah, like you can only fight for so many things. And well, I was
0: like, I'll, I'll audition for a Mara. Yeah. So he's coming to see the show tonight. Oh, great! And is
1: there a rapping male role?
0: Yeah, all the roles. (laughs) Northern men get to rap. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is what I mean. Right. So, so I'm like, if you want to, if you want to do something cool, is you find that talent and you let you let everybody audition for what they want to audition for. But
1: like, I wouldn't play a black woman.
0: No, you wouldn't. Okay. But also, the role that I'm going for was played by a black man. Yeah. So I've mainly um, been auditioned when I've done the things I want to do for roles that anyone could play or that black men could play.
2: Yeah, right.
0: Yeah. So I played Charles Penworth in Lilith the Jungle Girl. It was a role for a black man. Mm. And I was the only woman they auditioned because they're like, it's too queer. They're a very queer company. And then they were like, you just had the Gravid House and the chemistry. So we were like, she's the best at it. That opportunity,
2: mm-hmm.
0: I'm like, I've got to be a part of kicking those doors down mm-hmm. because the tropes on stage are they impress yes. these incredible molds on people, yeah. and I'm so done with the way women have been socialized. Yeah, but I'm done with the way men are socialized Amen. too. Do you know what I mean? Like, I do know. I made I a mean- show
1: called The Blokes Project, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> trying to do the same thing. You're trying My to do it, like just for like, just for. The the men who, for for whatever reason, associated with Fight Club Mm. because they felt like, oh, someone is speaking for us. But actually, there's a much better story that we can tell about what you can be and what you don't have to perpetuate.
0: I had this amazing experience last year. I taught um, Australian scene study uh, at um, the VCA, Radicalized the Group. And usually I finish anything I do and mm-hmm. I'm surrounded by, you know, if I'm at a high school workshop, all the women of colour, all the queers of colour, they're all like, oh my gosh, it was amazing, something for me, right? Mm-hmm. Finished at the VCA I look up, all the white boys are standing there. And I was like, hello, what's happening? <laughs> and they're like, this was the best class, this is so inspiring.
2: Good accent. I, I,
0: yeah, thank you. And I was like, see guys, all you needed was a radical black unicorn. <laughs> Oh, a feminist unicorn to be a teacher, but one of the guys and I do love him. We do love each other dearly. Joe Kenny, I've always got to do a shout out, lad, Brisbane, huge kid, sporty. Mm-hmm. Said to me, "I'm I'm conservative by nature, you know, straight up." And um, <laughs> um yeah, and um he, um, he was acting, and I was like, "Joe, can we just hold it? Um, sorry, are you?" you're pretending to be, like, a white guy? <laughs> and he's like, what? And, like, feel like you're playing some tropes that aren't you, like, masky and, like, you know, like, are they you? Or are you acting like you think you're supposed to act? Mm-hmm. Remember, you're playing a child. You're playing your 14- or 15-year-old self. So, you know, young kids, they're, they're just... They're awkward and they don't... They're not confident, you know? Um, And so I said, I love you. I want to see you, right? And then when he revealed him, it was pretty camp. And it made him young. It Mm. made him real young. And then by the time we got to the showing, he just blew the roof off the place. And he was hilarious. And um, so many people came to me and said, I've never seen Joe that relaxed. So relaxed. So I thought, like, just as a small case study, dudes are like pent up man you know like tight as a rock like going I can't I'm not allowed I don't want any other concepts you know and he just he's been on a journey where I think you know he's really he says to me all the time I'm just really you made me see particularly my black female friends how precious they are for me to really listen and not just to keep my position and I said yeah because the the definition of bigotry is actually staying stuck in your position in light of new and opposing information.
1: Oh. So, can we talk about diabetes? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, great. Um, because it's in Wonder Bear.
0: And it's in. And it's in. Australian video as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's in When I Go and Teach Workshops in Tannen Creek and Catherine. It's in there.
0: You want to you wanna you weigh wanna- in, baby? <laughs> We can, um, we can.
1: And I'm talking about like lifestyle-induced diabetes, okay, sure. particularly.
0: Yeah, we can. Yeah. Do
1: you want to talk about how you worked it into the show? Uh huh. And see, why Matt, you think it's important. See, you this one saying people it? like
0: you, I love you seeing my work because <laughs> you get that. It's so vital to me. Well, this is so. It's so vital to me. Yeah. It's it's the ultimate decolonization, right?
1: To stop people, to save people from diabetes. That's
0: right. Yeah. Because what we put in our mouths yeah. is like what we put in any part of our bodies. And yeah. I I don't know who your listenership is, but I'm going to go and say what you put in your mouth, like what you put in your vagina. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's very important.
1: It is very important. <laughs> and, um, I agree. I'm
0: just saying, like your full body, whole body, yeah. I'm definitely in a space by 40. <laughs> and I, and I, I know I just want to like... Get all these young, particularly women, to think sooner about... Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like m- me in my 40s is some black women I see who are now in their 60s because I'm like, I just want to live like them now, like, okay. with that freedom.
1: And there must be people that meet you that are like, all right,
0: yeah, that I wanna,
1: time can be now for me because of the work that you've done, because of the work that people before that's you That's right,
0: that's right. And that's yeah. the point. Hopefully, right. because
1: we have these conversations. Yeah. That, yeah.
0: So, in One the Bear, we yeah. eat Captain Cookies... Columbus Crunch cereal, mm-hmm. Sir so Joseph Banks chips, yeah. Leopold mayonnaise. The names of colonisers are sewn into the show. Yeah. The guy that um, the fictitious or the ghost character that I'm on the phone to that's doing all the bear perfume, bear obsession, and all that. All yeah. the all the merch. His name Cecil the Third, built around Cecil Rhodes. Mm. So these are all the boogeymen of yeah. history for us as. Um, folks from the continent, Indigenous folks around the world, Columbus, you know. In Can the I States. interject
1: with the boogeyman oh,
0: story?
2: Yeah.
1: When I was in Chinatown in Singapore, there's a plaque that talks about the Boogis
2: oh. tribe, the
1: Boogis people, oh, yeah. and they fucked the Dutch up when they oh. were trying to um, navigate and yeah. plunder out um, Singapore and the Malacca oh. Straits and stuff. And that's how the boogeyman... Because it, it traces that. back to a particular group of people who yeah. were the only people the Dutch were apparently afraid of.
0: Well, that's another... That reminds me of, I know, with tangenting. But, um, <laughs> pigtails. Huh. Do you know about them? No. So I don't use the word piggy tail anymore. I only okay. say ponytail. Okay. Because the Chinese were called pigs and they had plaits and ponies. Oh. oh. So they it's a derogatory term because... In Australia, London, Canada, pigtails. So, pigtails. plaits
1: and ponytails, fine. Yeah. Pigtails is like paddy wagon, slur. is like Chinese yeah. whispers. Is yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: Right. Wow. A slur on Chinese. Wow. Yeah. Because they were do you pigs. think
1: If it's lost, does it remain a slur?
0: Um, it's the thing about origin and understanding. Okay. Because it's also about the balance of history. Because, yes. of course, all of these slurs are towards black and brown people. Yeah. Right?
1: Well,. Yes, in now, like, living yes, in,
0: ma- living well. in
1: like a white majority-powered country, it is. But when yeah, I've, of course, when I've been to yeah, other countries, absolutely. I'm like, they've got their Singapore, own shit going on. like, like
0: For example. <laughs> <laughs> but absolutely, yeah. I see. When we're in, and, and, you know, people have started to use the term colonial supremacy as opposed to white supremacy Ooh, because the colonists like that. are Chinese That's in Singapore. a much more specific. Uh, know, Japanese in other places. English in Ireland, yes. English in Scotland. Yes. So yep. it's not about skin, it's about the col- colonial supremacy. And I get all that. But then we also, once again, multiplicity yes. must also acknowledge that there is definitely a black-white yes. scenario. And even in Singapore, lighter skin, yes. there's yep. a hierarchy that still lives in a Aryan to black-as-night sort of mm. fault line. Mm. So
1: The fault line is a good choice of word though. Thank
0: you. We've <laughs> been talking about it a bit, um, this stuff, you know, for a little while. But, um, yeah, so in One the Bear, I want... The whole, the whole biggest, most important object centering is that is a seed.
2: Yeah,
0: a seed that can you know I think the very last line that Ursula says is "Why have we been eaten?" Or we don't need to eat this hunter junk and sugar pop. The seed is all we yeah. need. Yeah. The play is also a seed. The characters are seeds, yeah. right? Um, so it is the final frontier. I saw. Um, I was watching a red table talk. Jada Pinkett Smith mm. with Common. Huh. Common's brought a yeah, book yeah, yeah. out. Oh wow. Common said something really exciting. <laughs> okay, well, let's about get excited. Food. Oh yeah. He said, When I change my relationship with food, I change my relationship with sex and women. Boom. It's a big idea. Yo. Instant gratification. Yeah. Um
1: pleasure over Pleasure, delight. Servitude and happiness. Over and what's like, gonna sustain. Interconnection. Us. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And what I found is even for my body, my fit body is a thick body. My fit body is a strong body. And um, like even as when I was at my height with Circus Oz, I, didn't, I was busting out of my shirts because my muscles bust out, right? I've just got a big frame, all that stuff. I go to New York and I see women my size doing pole dancing classes, teaching yoga. I've never seen that before in my life. I, I grew up in Australia, I've only seen tiny white women like on paddle boards, <laughs> like, you know what I mean, <laughs> teaching yoga, not always in the water, but you know, that's on their Instagram. And I that's saw true. a fit body looked one way. Yeah, right. And then I began to realise that we, all of us, have a fitness within our bodies yes. and how we can be that way, because a part of it and the whole <laughs> the whole. Sorry, some of the things in Australian beauty are so on the line, like I talk about, there's another part I'll tell you where I say, um, and this is really important, Um, you know, I talk about cook sisters, which my mum used to make, spiced dough, rolled, oh, sorry, doused in syrup, rolled in desiccated coconut, right? Pretty much came off the boob onto that sweet fried dough. South Africans love fried sugary food. You can go to South Africa and instead of getting like a chips or a chocolate bar, you can have a whole cake with condensed milk, right? It's a really full on culture around desserts and sugar and stuff. And I said, um, I say in the show, uh, a lot of brown people got diabetes, right? Sugar was introduced. And I was looking up one of those Louise Hayes A to Z of illnesses. And she says that the spiritual underpinning of diabetes is unrequited love. In the context of being never seeing yourself as a romantic lead in mm. an, on, a, on TV or on the stage, mm. never seeing yourself centre to your life and make this correlation and also the way the colonisers introduce sugar into the native diet. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes sense that I now can interchange cake and love. <laughs> <Or> <laughs> like, pl-
1: like plenty, plenty of women, right? Right. Like now we're talking about class as well. as
0: Absolutely. And yeah. and how that sugar 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 in all this food, boom, you know, yeah. and there's this element. It's only one part, but you know, or in other words, you know, hey there, blackbird, um, you're never gonna fill that hole in your heart with a donut, right? And then I try, try to sing, yeah, right, you can. I've try. tried.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but luckily, then I found dance. Yes. And dancing and dancing yes. with other people. Yes. And not being able to do the dance. Because you were a
0: chubby doing. kid, right? Yeah. And you were eating white bread and I... drinking Mountain Dew <laughs> <laughs> in Darwin.
1: <laughs> right on. <laughs> right on. Exactly. And, and then super luckily, even though Darwin's a small town, it's close to other cultures and other cultures are there mm. and they are of. The, the wording is possibly wrong because I haven't articulated this before, but they are available as an alternative
2: mm. to the
1: one that you by accident got born into, <laughs> right? And then you can see them and you're like, ah, yeah. maybe that is, that is more in line with the fit me that's inside.
0: Yeah, and I think that, that learning, that with the clogs in that learning and the clogs that sometimes happen where we just don't have that thoroughfare, is some of the stuff I try to disintegrate. Yeah. So I'm looking for always in my work um, higher consciousness and human connectivity. Mm. So just by placing these two little brown bears, who are actually two black girls that are best mates, Mm. in a centre of a story, our humanity gets validated and seen and felt and all of a sudden we have, like in Melbourne, 3,000 people thinking about our lives, mm. that have never thought about us before. Mm. All of a sudden when I talk about Australian booty, I talk about um, some of the jokes my ex-boyfriends that were white bogans because, you know, as I grew up... Because
1: in, you were bogan, right? Were? Ah.
0: Oh, I ah, know, so It's <laughs> all in there. I'm everything. But, you know, like going out with really racist bogan guys that yes. um, I was trying to, like, relive and, and mend some things from, you know, the school ground, the kids yeah. that used to pick on me. Yeah that wouldn't love me. So I'm like, I will make you love me. You're going to love me. I'll take anything. I'll take your abuse. Just love me, right? Nah. And then talking about some of those jokes, like, and I could tell in towns like Wollongong or where we did the show where white people were like, oh, that's bad? That's a bad joke. Oh, fuck. You know, like, oh, we've never ever thought about how it would land on the other, on the brown woman, you nah. know?
1: Well, I guess, tell me if this is wrong, but there's also... uh an integration um, obligation to get on board with the humour of the culture that you're becoming, and so you condone so yeah. that you can continue to exist and function.
0: So, what you're describing is assimilation, yes, right? Yes, but well, it how is. can
1: it be? How can it integrate it without assimilate? Because I also, if I can only speak conceptually,
2: mm.
1: um, but I also think that from some countries that I've been to that, that don't have a shared culture, it's really hard to connect with people that don't have your thing.
0: I guess it's a question of how the dominant culture
2: yeah.
0: um, decides to play. Of course right? it is. Yeah. So I've been playing for 40 years, Yeah. Um, you know, and you sort of feel like you're playing and then all of a sudden someone like throws a, paper plane in your eyeball and then you're playing with one eyeball out. Right. And then someone like kicks you in the rib and then you're playing without a rib and and then you work out how to heal that back up and you're you're finding your way and you're finding your like nooks and crannies. And I can say probably if I started out with a hundred brown women or black women you know forty years ago, particularly in the art scene, yeah. they've just gone too much, too much, too yeah. much, right? Yeah. Yeah. And and I've just continued and I often wonder, because people do ask me, why are you then? Why? What makes you so resilient? Or what makes you this way? Or you be able to see. And sometimes I think it is because um, of the extremes of my upbringing and where I've been. So, um, for example, in high school, because of my sisters, I think, and they matured me early... Mm-hmm. And I was like this, because I saw some little girls come to the show with their older brothers and sisters, and that kid's going to just like, you know, mm-hmm. spike in their intelligence, emotional creativity. But what happened was I was functioning on a high level, almost like the glue for my entire family in a way, mm. and um, and became this like star already young. And so then I was accelerated. Yeah. So I was winning big public speaking competitions when I was 14 against kids that were 17. And so by the time I got to that age, I just annihilated the competition. And that was extraordinary because I was not only very good, I was black and a female and from the wrong postcode. Yeah. So you start to smash stereotypes. But what I'm concerned about now or that I take more um, observation of yeah. is that my talent, my ability to be articulate, my t- ability to transcend, to, to transform... Um, became my currency. So I would do something thinking, gosh, I really need that currency. Now, over the last year in particular, I've been really cut at the knees through intergenerational trauma and current trauma, like some tough stuff with relationships, family and otherwise. And I'm working on half, like I was working on half my normal. Yeah. And then I got to watch from the from the inside how people take advantage of you if they don't think that you're a boss, right? And how maybe a lot of people experience the world that look like me that aren't as accelerated or an extra talented. Kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was really, really painful, and it made me realise, um, you know, that I also I'm gonna I'm gonna absolutely combust if I don't keep pushing back on the community, mm. our currency is that we are human, our worth is that we are human beings and we, we have the right to be everywhere and anywhere.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think that a lot of people, and particularly with this experience even at the Opera House, if you sat them down and asked them what their values were, they would tell you, you know, this, this, this and this, but then in action... They don't see how they're undercutting a person. Yeah. So, for example, if I say, they say, we really want to empower you in this space. And I say, great. So this is one A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And they go, ooh, ah, we can't do any of that, though. Mm-hmm. Ah, so you want to empower me on your terms.
1: Yeah. but That's it's,
0: not empowerment.
1: It's reminding me of um, your mate you were talking about before, the white boy. Mm. And he has just worked out that he has to perform the boss so that the world will respond to him the way that he wants. Mm -hmm. And if he doesn't now, if he goes on with this newfound uh, capacity, Mm -hmm. right, that you have brought into his life that makes him more useful and full as a human and Mm. to his community, as we all should be, resources for our community, Mm. then he will be operating at a disadvantage and except for the times where he just puts that front back on,
0: and so he can, he can choose. He
1: gets to choose. He gets to choose. It seems to be yeah. the difference if, here.
0: Yeah. Cause he now has the capacity to understand it. So many white boys don't have the understanding. No. Well,
1: then they just go through thinking that everyone is in a fight and, they Why, and they're being fight. attacked in Charlottesville, and, yeah, right? right. and then they just do from bust. Yeah. That's right. Their fragility their is like,
0: yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So understanding the human condition. What I think is really interesting is being socialised as a woman too Mm. because I often think about that in regard to sex, in regard to um, my workplace, all of these things. So um, also I worked at the VCA this year. I was the first black woman to direct a show by a black woman from the African diaspora ever in the history of the place called Fucking A. And it definitely shook the building. It shook the building and it shook the faculty. I'd say things to the kids like you never have to work on a show written by a white man again, if you don't want to. No, there's plenty of good shows. There's plenty out there. And they would just go, you know, the faculty were always like, oh, no, they have to do the traditional stuff. And I said, they actually don't. I didn't. There are many versions of the industry now. Oh, we're trying to make them industry ready. I'm like, which one? Because the current industry is really sexist, misogynist and racist. A lot of your black, your yeah. black students, that, because they're trying to push them to mainstream, right? Push them to the MTC, push them to yeah. the malt house.
1: It's about, um, it's about, it's about legacy. Mm. You just have to upkeep shit, even if it's not good. But you know,
0: it's fun. Like with Nida, I'm like, I'm fast becoming probably one of the most successful grads. Do they ever toot that horn? No, they will. They will when I'm like in Hollywood, right? <laughs> when-
1: when they need when they need your currency as their right. currency, they will.
0: But but I will be outspoken and continue to be, which is I still don't know. I'm still trying to work out how I got here because a lot of my black friends say, "Canny, you are in such a different position than me. I have to toe the line. I want to get work. I said, do you really want to get work on a shit show with an all-white team, all-white board, all-white artistic directorship? Doesn't that make you feel like shit? Do you feel good in that role? Of course, I don't feel that way, but it's work. Right.
1: Yeah. What is the, when you were saying colonial supremacy instead of Mm. white supremacy, what is, what can we use in this situation instead of being all white team, all white board, just so that we're not dismissing people based on race?
0: Well, whiteness to me is a political term.
1: Yeah. So is there a better term? Because it was a revelation when you said, Colonial supremacy. Yeah, I was like, all right, I can think about the whole world
0: well, now. Well, say like white fragility that Robert D'Angelo. Angel- I have Oak- no
1: fragility. No,
0: <laughs> <laughs> connect, you know she created yeah. that term. Yeah. So whiteness. She's a white woman. Yeah. She runs her workshops with black people mainly, like yeah. in co-working. But she's a white woman, so she's talking about whiteness as a political notion, right? Yes. So that's the thing. Words can have multiple meanings too. Oh, multiplicity. And they should. Yeah, and they should.
2: They
0: should. So I often use the term black. I'm meaning more political. What color am I? Sort of caramely brown, right? Great color, right? Great color, it's a wonderful <laughs> color. But I'm just saying. Um, and in my mind, I was. We had uh, some late lunch, dinnery, with a friend of mine, Nilmini Fernando, mm. who calls herself a Black Supremacist. Oh. she's a Black feminist supremacist okay. because you look at her bookshelf and she centralizes the Black experience, yeah. the Black voice, yeah. and the Black female voice. Yeah, okay. and so, is
1: it? Is it? violent to do that and is that violence useful
0: uh, is it violent to do it
1: like is it meeting white supremacist violence with black supremacist violence never Okay.
0: decolonisation isn't colonisation and people who come to my workshops often white people they can feel afraid of that and when I say white people I've got friends with black skin who are white um, in their mentality in the way they've grown up all of that right mm. So um, the process of decolonization yeah. is actually so much about self-care and love and finding out who you are and mm-hmm. unraveling. Like Joe's experience in my class,
2: mm-hmm.
0: it's an extremely it, it doesn't have to be. I know that there could be violent versions of that, mm-hmm. but I, what I understand for my history, that the process of colonization versus the process of decolonization, mm-hmm. is one that comes out of pure nurture and connection, the opposite to patriarchy or the white patriarchy, that notion of um, structures and binaries, yeah, and possession. So, no, you don't fight possession with possession. Mm. You fight it with um, autonomy and sovereignty. Mm. Uh, And therefore, everybody feels pretty damn good, except people that only get off on possession and power and violence, right? Right. Yeah. And then there's also the thing of like I don't know if you've experienced it when you're holding on to something and you're like holding on for dear life, like ah. And when you actually let it go, and it feels like nothing, and you feel embarrassed that it took you so long, and you're sort of going, oh my god, I really feel a ton better, and that was easier than I thought it would be.
1: Is this an exhale? Is this what you're exactly. you exactly?
0: And it's also like you know what. Shame only exists in the dark. Mm. You bring it to light, you expose it, you discuss it. It's really wonderful, you know. For me, that's been a revolution with my body and mm. my body shape. Mm. Um, and as soon as you own it, it's quite remarkable because, I, and I'm, I'm getting to make movies now and TV, so I get to, like, put that into emotion and action. That's awesome. And change like, I've experienced just like, you know, I always think everybody finds it more fascinating anyway. Say like dating, right? Yes. And I was thinking about this because a friend of mine started dating an ex. that you know. and um,
1: <laughs> An ex of yours? Yeah. An ex, okay, yes, yes. yes.
0: And, um, and I realized when I was with this fella, because he's from Darwin. Um, <laughs> I'm very naughty. Um, I, I had low self-worth. Uh, and I think that she can suffer from a bit of low self-worth. Right. And we're both fucking dope South African women, hot women. Here I am looking at him picking us off at these times in our life. And I think Mm. my only concern, other than him being back in my life again, because I love her and if he's in her life, he's in my life, um, is I don't want you to be with him because of your self-worth. I want Mm. you to be with him because you love him and you're meeting each other at the right spot, right? Worth. Now, I've grown my self-worth through my work through my positionality, through decolonizing daily, through loving myself. And what that's done, which is extraordinary for me too, is I've, I've then sort of like experienced um, there's just sort of not barriers anymore. Okay. So I date who I want to date, hot men, hot women, in, intellectuals. Like I don't feel intimidated by really many folks anymore the way I used to feel intimidated for different reasons. Mm. I just don't feel it. So it doesn't exist. Wow. Yeah. And I want that for young people because I think it's a whole lot of bullshit. Like I was sitting there with some yeah. m- my roommate before I got here, two white women, very hot, tall, long hair, Amazonian, like beautiful. I thought inside and out and they both have had experience in the last... 12 months of their husbands or significant partners leaving them for what they perceive as young ver- younger versions of them. Prettier, younger, tauter, tighter. And I was like, why are you with a guy that would do that? <laughs> I was just like, yeah. Or, that,
1: and why do guys like that exist and get raised think like they've that? They've
0: eaten the fucking dirty, the, the Captain poo, Cook crispy cr- cr- crunch. crunch. And they think that they've. Uh, that they're, they're
1: upgrading or something or and validation like is possessing. through that and
0: i was like yeah. i mean as a as a non-monogamist it's hard because i go you can have a bit of that and you can have a bit of that can't True. you but also I some feel people can't
2: in. yeah you're <laughs>
1: locked into that to monogamy yeah oh, i feel like you yeah. know some people are raised with god and then yeah. they they grow out of believing mm. but they still operate under yeah I feel that way with monogamy. Okay, I can let go of God.
2: Yeah, but you're <laughs> And the are reasons
1: that I do it. Somehow oh. I don't know how to operate within myself and the, how the relationship functions. Like it would be a whole learning
0: it thing. Is. People, how old are you?
1: 34.
0: Mm. Mm. So younger people are I'm kind also of grasping it. I'm also quite happy with it. it. Oh, no, no, I get it. But they're, they're grasping it in wonder. different ways. Yeah. <laughs> and I find that, yeah, older people really struggle because it's like safety, security... You're the one, you know. My friends who are married for years haven't had oh. sex in most of the time, oh, and no. you know they go. I go, you know, you couldn't just monogamish, you know? Yeah,
1: exactly. Like on a f- yeah, what are the meat free Mondays?
0: <laughs> yeah, but um, but but the hell that they go through. But then I go, so your relationships built on a couple of lies, <laughs> and what I love about the lifestyle I experience and what I'm getting to is brutal truths mm. and how they. Save you and make you feel liberated.
2: Okay,
0: it's so liberating, and I'm so happy. Yeah, but my God, if I tried to explain it to my mother, she's just like she. It doesn't matter what I achieve. I mean, maybe I'll even have a Pixar in Hollywood, and she'll say, "I'm so worried." I'm like, I'm so worried about you. Because there's no right? ring? No ring. Oh. Where are the babies? I'm like, oh. you know, my shows, they're my babies.
1: Yeah, and, you know, this whole generation of people that I've come into contact with are, are taking on my legacy. My kids. Yeah.
0: And and I've got a legacy to make in a journey and a voice to make sure that, um, you know, I've, I can do a lot more work. Mm. So that's the stuff that I, I think about the most and also... Um, sort of being body and sex positive. I know these are terms that are like, la, 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 people like or hate. But, um, gosh, because I said to these women too, I said, so you truly believe they've left you? It's got nothing to do with who you are inside. No, it's all about the outside. I said, so what that tells me, and I knew they, I thought we're going to have a bitch about their exes. And I just said, you've bought the bullshit. Yeah, right. You've bought it.
1: But that's... Not always that person's fault, right?
0: Absolutely. But what that means, that's about your consciousness, isn't it?
1: Yeah. But then also your time, your capacity, your intelligence, if you've you've been lucky enough to have someone around you at the right time in your life.
0: To cross the path, to to open it up.
1: Yeah, like if I didn't accidentally get handed this like teen philosophy book, Sophie's World, when I was 12, I don't know if I would have thought about thinking.
0: But other people might have been handed that book and still don't.
1: Well, then that's just divine... No, it's just like luck.
0: There's luck, but there's also... And like, there's culture.
1: Luck and culture. And
0: dedication. Yeah. And a culture of dedication to something beyond yourself. Yes. You know, Tanisi Coates' book, between In Between the Worlds or Between... Because there's tiny cities between yes. the worlds. I get yes. all of those words. But... Um, He's so extraordinary. When I read that book, I was like, ah, you know, your son, ooh, they're growing up in such an incredible way. Goodness knows we need men like that. Um, Goodness knows we need children souped up, juiced up with the ability to discern, Mm. to put a critical eye and mind on stuff because the world's not going to change. The world's not going to get more rapid. We're not going to be able to protect them from seeing things. Mm -mm. All we can do is give them the tools of discernment. Mm -hmm and the tools of um, being able to define themselves for themselves in a world that wants to crunch them into the fantasy. You know, that Audre Lorde quote, if I didn't define myself for myself, I'd be crunched into other people's fantasies for me and eaten life. Yeah. I mean, that's the storyline of One the Bear because I want them to see it in front of their face. Mm. I want them to engage with it, think about it to themselves because it will happen to most of them at one point in their life, Mm. whether a woman came and saw Australian booty and said, oh, my God, I really needed this show because post my second baby body, my husband was just always so angry and then he left me for a skinny woman. I was like, you had the children say what? I was like, and this was not a plus-size woman in any sense of the word. Mm. And I'm like, if we can all just get off that conveyor belt, That would be dope. I love saying in Australian Beauty, I'm like, what happens if you start to love your body, love yourself, love what you've got? Mm. And everyone's like thinking I'm going to say something very high end and I say, sex is heaps better. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, hey, ladies, the sex is real good because you can just release and let go. Mm. I'm going to be really straight up and intimate. It's like the first time someone went down on me when I had my period and I was so freaked out. And they were not freaked out. They were really into it. And then I just let go. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, my God, your period puts so much pressure on your body. Mm. Heaps of stuff around having sex on your period because it's a stress reliever. And then I started going, listening to the podcast, the period isn't dirty. It's actually cleaning. It's actually vital. It's actually all this other stuff and blood and saliva and snot are all the same thing. Mm. And if you eat really good, ladies, as I said, what you put in your <laughs> vagina in your mouth it smells great. Like it's mm. not like stinky and this is like after having a shower and you're just bleeding, right? Mm. You're free bleeding. And I started going, oh my god, I just wash it out of my sheets. It's just blood. It's real. It's not feces. You know, like we we grow up thinking period blood is like more disgusting than feces and. It doesn't have that bacteria. It just doesn't. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's like I found out the term spinster, always thinking it was about, oh, she can't get a man. Originally, spinsters were women who spun and used, you know, uh, garments, spun material. So they didn't need a man back in the day because they had financial stability. Oh. So they didn't need a man.
1: They're just independent. Spinster man independent woman.
0: Correct. So you start going like when you 're saying like terms and words, yeah,
1: yeah, because specificity is is the power of discernment,
0: correct, so then you go, oh, so so much language, everything is about making people think women think their only currency is their attractiveness to men, yeah, of course, for the queer folks among us it 's a radical moment when you don 't just think men, being attractive to men is important, yes. you know. So when you're attracted, you're attracted to women as well. And, and in fact, sometimes I probably do hold women a little higher. So I'm less dispensable with my casual sex or stuff like that because w- women are important. Yes. And men can be less important sometimes. And that's the socialization of the whole thing. Yep. As they say, b- dick is easy to come by. Yeah.
1: Well, I think men only become important when they have, like socially, when they have family or assets. That's when they become a, a, a something to society yeah. but before then they're just disposable workforce
0: and so then I started going I've got to apply this sense of care mm. to everybody mm. and and try and match that but even with men well particularly with men probably well, so that they when they've can, got the power we they can, can
1: ricochet that power
0: and and so we can begin to be in balance and mm-hmm. I've, had, I've had I've got a mem Rob, Robert Conley is one of my mentors. I've got a white guy who's a mentor. I was like, yeah. what? You know, like, because he's an amazing human. And for, you know, I could stay as um, didactic or, or, like, binary as the next, you know, separatist as the next black feminist, you know, that what you're talking about is is black supremacy, but I see it all as freedom. Mm. And when, when, you know, this black power, this fist was about everyone coming together. Mm. And, of course, when... Barack Obama. I mean, Barack Obama had more security than Trump does. That tells you something.
1: Wow. I, yeah. I didn't realise that.
2: Because that...
0: white power is so fucking scary. Those white power neo-Nazi movements. Wow. You see? Mm. So it doesn't work on the same level. No. And And reactive, and I'm not to say the black power movement or even Winnie Mandela in South Africa, all those things were highly violent. And at times I just think is there any other way?
1: Yeah, you really
0: hope I have the privilege of not having to have to make those fucking decisions too. I'm going to do something and use that, yeah. um, and try and be as careful as I can with work, but also push the envelope. You know, yeah. push it and shake the tree, yeah. so that we can get pushed into that higher consciousness and space.
1: Amen. Super good. So, thank you so much.
0: <laughs>